0: Welcome to the Redeemer Central podcast. Redeemer Central is a church community in Belfast seeking to practice the way of Jesus and work for the peace and good of our city. For more information, please visit RedeemerCentral.com. Good morning everybody, lovely to see you all, well. um, and if you're new here this morning, you're really, really welcome today. My name's David, and as Dan was saying, I'm part of the, the leadership team here, and it's great to have such a team effort this morning. We're in summer mode at the minute, and these guys working all around the scenes to, to, to put our Sunday gatherings on, um, and I wanted to kind of speak about that even a little bit more today, just to echo what we talked about last Sunday, which was um, s- some really big news to add to the stuff that Dan has shared. Um, that our senior leadership team has grown and expanded. Um, and we actually do have, I think, have we got all four here today? I'm trying to think. We've got, yeah, we've got all four here today, which is brilliant. So we've got, um, there's a slide that'll come up, hopefully. Um, Stephanie, Dan, and I um, um, are really, really delighted that John Heron, Ian Ryans, Scott, and Naomi Witherick are going to be joining our team. And we talked a lot about that last Um, last Sunday, and uh, we wrote a letter to everyone um, just explaining kind of some of the process around that. So if um, that's news to you and you missed it last week, um, that letter was posted in the WhatsApp group, but we can always get that letter to you um, so please do come and speak to me, Dan or Steph, because that kind of just talks a little bit more about it, and I don't want to repeat myself from last week, um, but just wanted to like put it up there um, and let you know that's happened, and in case you missed it, um, it'd be great to catch up on that news and get that letter, but we're really delighted that the four guys here, here this morning, and we're going to join the three of us, and the seven of us together are really excited to move forward together, so and we'll keep you posted how that goes, um, um, as we kind of get to know one another and form a new team, but we're really excited about that new phase. It's really big news for us as a church and a new chapter for us. Really, is emerging at Faith, so um, we're delighted um, uh, to see that happen. Um, this morning, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna teach on our series "Liberated by Love." We've been in this series for um, quite a number of months, actually, and it's looking at the ministry of Jesus. Um, In the Gospels, well, it started that way, and we've kind of moved now into the book of Acts. Um, Looking at the Gospel, the good news, how this story of God is remaking the world around an axis of love, um, how that it ushers in liberation from everything that would seek to enslave us, keep us captive, hold us back, bind us. Um, And it really, really is good news. And as we've moved into Acts, it's been brilliant to see. Um, different like, encounters in Acts being taught here, Stephanie and, Dan, uh, Stephanie and John, forgive me, the last couple of Sundays have done a, such an excellent job just teaching in the series, and those are up on the podcast if you have missed those, so do catch up on those. Um, today we're going to look a little bit more at Acts chapter 2. I want to just set the scene. Thousands of Jews... Have travelled to Jerusalem for the festival of Pentecost. We've already talked and taught about Pentecost on Pentecost Sunday a few few weeks ago, and we're going to look at um, a little bit more uh, this morning. The streets of Jerusalem were full of pilgrims, thousands of pilgrims that had come in from every point of the compass to celebrate the goodness of God. Um, The apostles were still in the city. Um, Jesus had had died, been crucified, he'd been resurrected, he'd appeared to them, and then he'd ascended, and he'd gone and and left them, and they were still in Jerusalem and participating in the feast along with all of the other pilgrims in the city, and then this strange phenomenon happened at Pentecost with a violent wind and tongues of fire, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, Um, and so began the church, the birthday of the church, and the acts of the apostles, that book captures the story, and in that particular moment, the disciples spill out onto the streets, filled with the Spirit of God, Um, and everyone who's kind of there, the crowds of people that have come in for the festival, they witness this, and they see this bewildering scene of this rabble of Jesus followers who... um, who are like appearing to be speaking in all sorts of different languages. It's a kind of quite a phenomenon that's happening. And um, some people thought they were even drunk. And that was the kind of scene um, when this Holy Spirit came upon them. And Peter, um, who remember had had the breakfast on the beach and been recommissioned by Jesus, um, he, in that moment, filled with the Spirit, gets to his feet, and he preaches the good news of the, of the gospel of the kingdom to everybody who's there, to all of the pilgrims that had come into Jerusalem. And 3,000 people received Christ. They received salvation. They, they believed and were baptized. And that was, as I say, the birth of the church. I want to just dive into Acts 2. There'll be scripture up on the screen behind me, and I want to just read a, little, a few little sections from it. From Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Fellow Jews, and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. So we're not in Ireland. It's definitely, definitely not drunk because it's nine o'clock in the morning. And as he moves on, he says, fellow Israelites, listen to what I say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you know yourselves, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law, and then verse 24 says this: "But God raised him up, having released him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power." Amazing. I'm going to kind of touch on that in a little minute. Go down to th- verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and that you may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 41, so those who welcomed this message were baptized, 3,000 people were added, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any has need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. It's a really kind of remarkable moment. And we've ta- taught about Pentecost and the, the importance of the filling of the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday. But as you see, what happens next is this amazing scene where the, the church, a community, is born. Um, I don't know if you've noticed being around 101 in the, in, the, in the past number of years, of course, but things have really changed on this street. Um, the big university building is now complete and open. I think it's pretty much open 100%. Um, But uh, that project, that building project started in 2017. And I remember sitting in the back office here, um, working away, and you you, you wouldn't know that was any there was any work happening. There was nothing to see. There was nothing visible. Um, and for two years it went on, and there was still really nothing visible. It was like what what really is going on? There were, the barriers were up, the fences were up, there were builders around, but there was nothing actually to see. Uh, uh, one day I was sitting in my office, just like the back, and I heard these massive vibrations. Um, Really, really loud. It shook the entire building. It felt like a a tremor or an earthquake. It was actually that loud. And what was causing this, I wondered? Well, um, it turned out that the contractors had begun to put massive piles into the ground. Um, They were starting the building process. These huge piling machines were brought in, huge expense, I'm sure. Um, to drill down way down into the earth and lay these metal and concrete piles all over the site. And weeks and weeks went by and vibrations every day. The building was shaking, but still nothing was really visible. If you were walking along the street, you just wouldn't know what was being built there. And then suddenly, here we are, and there's a building. <laughs> it took a few more years after that, of course. But there's this tremendous-looking building beside us, huge in its scope, um, and yet at that time, for the first few years, it was just nothing. And it's because the builders were laying the foundations. Um, without foundations, no building can really be built. And that can be a slow process, it can be an invisible process. Um, but without it, no building can stand. And those long summer months were foundational for what we now see next door. And it's the same with any, any building. And I suppose today I just wanted to talk from this, short, this passage in Acts 2 about two things. Foundations and formations. I want to talk about two things, foundations and formations, that I hope will kind of encourage us as a church. Firstly, foundations. Jesus himself tells a story in Matthew 7 about two builders, one wise, one not so wise, one ignorant and one not ignorant but switched on, two houses, one built on a rock and one built on the sand, one stands and one falls. Um, and you might know that story. This is what the message says, um, uh, the message translation about that story. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, wor- words to build a life upon. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit. But nothing moved the house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a a stupid carpenter who builds his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves come up, it collapses like a house of cards. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not a builder. I'm not an architect. I don't know much about buildings at all, um, I know a lot about trying to buy houses and trying to get engineer uh, surveys done of things that I don't know what I'm talking about. But I know enough that foundations are really, really important. And Jesus believes it's so important. He tells this story. And I guess the question for us is: What is our foundation as a community? Um, there's lots and lots of ways to carve that up. There's lots and lots of definitions of Christianity. But I just wanted to speak about what Peter spoke about when he got up in front of those 3,000 people. The foundation is, as he say, Jesus of Nazareth, that you crucified and killed. And then in verse 24, but God raised him up, having released him from the agony of death because it was impossible for it to hold him in its power. And this series, Liberated by Love, looks at ways in which this reality of Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection, liberates us and frees us from everything that would enslave us, everything that would oppress us. I mean, it frustrates me so much when I hear the gospel taught um, that it only liberates us from sin, that it only liberates us from sin. Sin, of course, is an important thing, but there is no greater enemy to us as human beings. There's no greater opposition. There's no greater thing that we cannot overcome than, than death itself. Life and death. The gospel is about life and death, and Jesus has come to bring life. It's not about right and wrong, but it is about life and death. It is about your house standing or your house not. Life and death, and death has so much And yet the gospel is that we are free from the fear of death. That death does not have a sting. Illness, disease, and death are our greatest enemies as human beings. And yet the good news is that in Christ we have life, resurrection life, breaking forth. God in Christ was in the tomb and he's now alive. Death itself died death itself died. The risen Christ is not one who came back from the dead. The risen Christ is the one who actually entered into it and went through it into a new world. This new world that God is making around an axis of love. That is the foundation of everything that we believe. And I i, I had the reality actually of sadly my, my my little granny passed away this week and um, I went, had to I visited her in the funeral parlor and I was standing in front of her, her body and she was 92 and she lived a really long life and a good life and the funeral's tomorrow and we're looking forward to celebrating her life but it was surreal to see, You know, we, you've, I'm sure we have all been there and you've lost people that are close to you, family or friends, maybe you've seen some, someone's body after they've passed. It's just part of the process of life. Um, and this week went to see my granny's body, and it just it hits you how final that feels, how real that feels. Her body was there, but she wasn't there. And yet, I was just so reminded again that actually, if I believe what I believe, that the foundation of my faith is not up all these definitions that we think about. Ultimately, the foundation of our faith and our hope is that Jesus brings life. And the death is not the end, and the death has been overcome in his life, in his death, and then in his resurrection. And it is such tremendous hope for followers of Jesus, for us as Christians that we should continually come back to and remind ourselves of that this is our hope, the basis of all of our lives, is the rock that is Christ Jesus. The God-man who came, not like Lazarus to come back from the dead, but the conqueror of Sheol, the one who trampled death. And I'm reminded of all, not just literal deaths in our, in our lives, the people that we love and cherish, but there's many deaths, maybe every day in our lives too. The death of a dream, the death of a relationship, the death of a, of, of a, of a career, the death of whatever it might be, We all carry these little paper-cut deaths that happen all the time. But the hope is and the foundation of our lives is that in Christ, there's always a new beginning. There's always life. There's always second chances. There's always a new day, a new dawn. And it is the foundation that we in Redeemer build upon, that we feed upon the bread and the wine because it sustains us with life not because it corrects us from being wrong to being right, but it is the very source of life itself. To belong to Christ is to belong to the age to come. Our task now is to embody that, to embody that in the here and now. There are some things that will pass, but love will never end. There are things that will pass when the new age comes. Brutality, cruelty, domination, executions, falsity, greed, hatred, injustice, jealousy, killing, lying, malice, oppression, poverty, quarrels, racism, slavery, torture, ugliness, violence, war, xenophobia, yokes, viruses, illnesses, disease, and death itself. But there is one thing among many that will never end, and it is the love of Christ, the love of God that we find ourselves in and the salvation that we get to participate in, this is our great hope and this is our great foundation as a community and as a church, that Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. So even today, maybe you feel like perhaps there's some some death or some paper cuts in your life, whatever that may be. Something has died, something is sick, something is not right. I want to kind of just speak hope to you today that Jesus breathes life. He is the resurrection life and it's the foundation of all our faith. Death is our enemy and it has been overcome. And When difficulty comes, we have a firm foundation. Christ is our firm foundation. He is our rock. And then we see the passage that we read in Acts move on a little bit and I was I can read it again. It moves on because a lot has happened in that passage in Acts. We've had that big encounter in the upper room in the Holy Spirit. Peter gets to his feet and he preaches on the streets that Jesus Christ is our foundation, and he has overcome death. And then we have this little piece at the end of Acts two, which just kind of is like a it's like a pause. It's like a let's take stock of what's happened. There's so much has just happened. Jesus has ascended. All that stuff has happened. Where are we at now? And it says this. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day about 3,000 persons were added. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and the prayers. What we see Upon those foundations is some formations. (laughs) Something is built on the foundation and it's the community of Jesus followers and they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Belief is not enough. Hearing and awareness is not enough. The building of good foundations for our lives is about practicing the way. It's kind of why we talk about practicing our faith, practicing the way of Jesus, living it out, embodying it. And we do that no better than when we do it together. We do it this morning, we're doing it now. We're embodying the life of Christ as we worship and meet together over and over and over again. As Eugene Peterson calls, it's a long obedience in the same direction It takes time to build and build and build over and over and over again, repenting, following, living, giving, pledging, receiving, gathering, serving, sharing, forgiving, loving, seeking, feet washing, embracing, becoming over and over again formed in the way of Jesus, built on the foundation of Jesus as a rock. We then become like Jesus as we are formed in community together. And I guess growing up as a Protestant boy, this kind of chat kind of got me freaked out a little bit because it sounds like we're kind of earning our salvation. Um, It's not that at all. This is how we actually live our faith out because we as the people of God have been swept up in the sheer grace and salvation of God. And in the light of that, we then follow Jesus intentionally. And we shape our lives around this new way of being, this new way of being human, this new way of doing community. I love this quote that will come up on the screen um, by David Fitch. And it says this that God is present in the world and that he uses a people faithful to his presence to make himself concrete amid unreal, amid the world's struggle and pain. When the church is this faithful presence, God's kingdom becomes visible and the world is invited to join with God. God's kingdom comes when we seek and rest in his presence in Jesus Christ and then in being faithfully present to him and the world around us. That piece that says, that bit that says God's kingdom becomes visible Um, Just strikes me so much. Again, the foundations is Jesus. But we make it concrete and visible when we together, filled with the Spirit, form community. We make it concrete to the world around us. N.T. Wright lays out and talks a little bit about that because we have these four marks of what it looks like. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, we have the apostles' teaching. We have the common life of those who believed, fellowship. We have the breaking of bread and when we have the prayers. And this is what N.T. Wright says, these four go together. You can't separate them or leave one out without damage to the other. Where there's no attention given to teaching and to the constant lifelong Christian learning, people quickly revert to the worldview or mindset of the surrounding culture and end up with their minds shaped by whatever social pressures are most pervasive, with Jesus being somewhere like a pale influence or memory. When people ignore the common life of the Christian family, or fellowship, which is about friendship, they become isolated and find it difficult to sustain a living faith, where people no longer share regularly in the breaking of bread. Um, the communion table, like behind me, they fail to raise the flag that says Jesus' death and resurrection is the center of everything, is the foundation of everything. And when people do this but neglect prayer, they quite simply forget that Christians are supposed to be heaven and earth people, bringing heaven to earth. So how do we build as a community redeemer upon the foundation that Jesus is at the center of our community, he is the rock beneath our feet, he has overcome death and we're filled with hope? Simply through the apostles' teaching, the common life together, fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. These are so, so important for us as a community. These four practices these four things to, to form us as a community on the rock of Jesus. And I think when we help one another in community, it's possible. Because if we get isolated in our faith, it's difficult to have and sustain a life of faith. And so that's why we kind of come together. That's why we do this every week. That's why sometimes it feels monotonous <laughs> because it's the same thing. But we rehearse, we practice over and over, much like going to the gym gets you healthy. Over and over, we kind of form together. And I guess my prayer is that we as a community would build on the rock that is Jesus, is our foundation, and that we would learn how to form community around him fellowshipping together, breaking the bread, and praying together concretely. When we turn the other cheek and we love our enemies and our lives are honest and open and truthful, when we let our yes be yes, when we don't worry, when we trust in God our Father and trust that he is good, when we receive the gift of his Holy Spirit, when we pray our Father who art in heaven, when we forgive those who trespass us, Trespass against us. We bring the kingdom. You build good foundations when you forgive that friend or that family member or that church member who has hurt you. You build on good foundations when you trust that God is a good Father. You build on good foundations when you're not worried but trust in God's goodness and His hand on you. You build on good foundations when you do not retaliate or perpetuate violence or the violence of your words. You build on good foundations when you pray asking God to sustain you with daily bread. You build on good foundations when you reach out to those in need and to the poor and invite them into the common life that we have together. You build on good foundations when you live honest lives full of integrity. You build on good foundations when you do the right thing even when no one is looking or when you go above and beyond the call of duty for someone out of love You build on good foundations when you welcome and show love to people that society has demonized or persecuted, the homeless, the poor, the lonely, the elderly, the refugee, the unemployed. You build on good foundations when you see everyone made in the image of God and you live that ethic of love out towards all your fellow neighbors, all your fellow human beings. What we do matters, but we build it on Christ, he is the rock, and we do that together as a community. My prayer is that we would learn in these months, as we move forward into a new chapter as a church, to do that. The simplicity of it is striking. It's not easy, but it's what we're called to, and I wanted to kind of remind us this morning of what we're called to, of what we're building upon, and a vision of what might form in our midst when we do that. I'd love you to stand, and we're gonna come to the table behind. Kerry and Campbell, would you mind serving communion this morning for us? Yeah, it'd be wonderful. There's a a plate of of bread and a bowl of of juice, I believe. And the way we practice communion, which is one of the four things we've been talking about this morning, is that we're we're raising a flag that Jesus is is everything, that he has overcome death, and that he is life, he is the source, Um, and we get to participate in this grace and in this life, Um, and it should nourish us in every way. And so we practice an open table, which means if you're new today, you are really welcome to come and take communion. Um, This is Jesus' table and he invites everyone to come and take from the bread and the wine and celebrate in this life that he's inviting us into. I kind of just wanted to add to what I shared this morning to remind us that in a way we're not building this alone, but God himself is the master builder. He is the one that is building us into a house of love together. He is the one that we look to and he wants to make us as a church an outpost of his kingdom so it's not all down to us we get to participate in it but we're reminded this morning that God is the master builder and Paul in Acts chapter 4 says this let it be known to all of you to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. That Jesus is the cornerstone of this house. He's the rock. He's the foundation. But it is, it is God the Father that has raised him up into that position. He had been rejected by the builders. And then in Ephesians, Paul goes on to kind of talk about that more. And he says, so you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And I love this verse, and it's the last verse. In Him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so, God is the master builder. And I would love to encourage you as we sing and as we take communion today that you just are aware of one another as you come to the table. You might not want to do this, but you might want to share a little word of encouragement or just kind of put an arm around someone or pray for someone or just give thanks internally for people to walk this road with. And maybe the prayer on our hearts this morning as we come to taste of this feast of love, this plate of life, is that God would indeed put those piles down deep, those foundations down deep, and He would build us together as a house of love, so that we can serve our city well. I'm going to hand over to Matt and Eleanor as they lead us. Please do come forward as we begin to sing Take From the Bread and Wine. God bless you. Just before we go, I thought I'd, i wanted just to do a couple more a couple more things together as a community. Um, and I'd love to invite Fra up. Oh, where is he? He's gone. There he is, yeah. Um, Fred just shared a little word with me just that we're here and was praying and I kind of just felt it was really apt maybe for us just to hear that as a whole community. A very simple word um, just about what might be possible um, in the life of faith together as as we kind of try to embark upon a new chapter as a church as we kind of see a lot of change continue um, but a lot of promise and hope. Um, do you want to kind of share what you have been carrying on your heart the last few weeks? Yeah, sure. So just um, last week at the wedding we... Played a couple of old hymns, and there's one line in that hymn that really stood out to me, and I think it might be encouraging. It's just wonder anew what the Almighty can do. And um, I was just sharing with David that those little paper cuts of of death in our lives can kind of pile up the longer we go on, and the longer we journey through faith. It doesn't always um, work out the way we think, but that's okay. But I just feel like an invitation to wander anew what God can do in this season. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'd love us to just respond to that together actually, the possibility of change, possibility of healing, um, the concrete, real possibility of transformation and healing um, that rides alongside that great hope we have that, that death is not the end, but in this life now, can realize new beginnings, new hope, new healing um, and transformation. Um, So I'd love to invite everyone just to lay a hand on a neighbor. I would love the whole room to kind of just put a hand on your neighbor, one another. Maybe both hands if you've got two hands. Let's just kind of lay hands on one another. i just love to pray, i just love to pray. We're just, just close your eyes and we're just gonna pray. Father, I just thank you today for for the foundation of Jesus and the hope that second chances are real, that life after death is possible. And the healing and transformation and hope here and now in this life is the business that you're in. That we pray, Holy Spirit, that you fill us all now afresh and bring healing and Healing mercy to the deepest parts of us. We just thank you for one another. And as we lay hands on each other, we pray that you would indeed, Master Builder, make us into a house of love, a dwelling place for your spirit, and that you would come and have your way among us. Have your way among us. Teach us how to fellowship together, to run this race. With to love one another well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come peace. Be blessed. And we'll be back together next Sunday uh, for another